Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, called his own servants, and delivered unto them his goods. Then the one he gave five talents to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that received the five talents went and traded with the same, and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth, and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things, and will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents besides them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee rule over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not straw. I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knowest that I reap where I sowed not and gather where I have not straw. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him, which hath ten talents, for every one that hath shall be given. Ye shall have abundance, but from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We're going to approach this from a doctrinal standpoint. And then we are going to make some practical application for us. And we're going to try to do that in one sermon. Doctrinally, this parable has everything to do with the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Doctrinally, that's where that's going to fit. The new world order, (laughs) whatever you want to call it, is going to become the old world order. When Jesus Christ comes back and he's going to set up the real new world order where he's going to be the righteous ruling king. And it's very important to mention from the onset, this is very important doctrinally, that this parable is not referencing the New Testament church age and it's not referencing New Testament Christians. And we're going to unfold that as we as we go through this parable. The most obvious reason is that if you're saved, you see what it says in verse number 14, for the kingdom of heaven, we've done so many messages on that, I'm not going to review it. But if you're saved, if you've trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior, 
you are not preparing to enter into a physical kingdom on earth. You're not. If you're saved, God has already prepared a place for you. In my father's house are many mansions, and he has prepared that for those who have trusted in him. If you're not saved, then you must be, you need to be prepared to go there, not get prepared to survive a great tribulation of seven years and then hopefully enter into a physical earthly kingdom. You got to get this earthly stuff out of your head. You got to get spiritually minded. Talked about these two different kingdoms. One's physical on earth. One is not. That's why the Bible says you must be born again. Why does it say that? Because you had a physical birth. Matthew 24, Matthew 25, this is all physical, earthly stuff where people are going to either believe the Lord and trust the Lord and they're going to survive physically and enter into a millennial kingdom where he's going to reign as the righteous king. This is not for New Testament Christians. This is a parable for the Jews and it is in specific reference to the future kingdom that the Lord's going to set up upon his return. And guess what? That kingdom is not going to be established now here on earth. Not now. Why? We are in the times of the Gentiles. We have what's called the church age. We don't preach the gospel of the kingdom. We preach the gospel of the grace of God. This kingdom will be established after Daniel's prophetic week. The Lord comes back, and then he's going to set that up on earth. So doctrinally, that's our time frame where we are. Also, look at verse number 14 where it says, in the middle of the verse, the kingdom of heaven is the man traveling into a far country. Watch this. Who called his own servants. Now go to Romans chapter number 12. And I want you to take a look at what it says here. Romans chapter number 12, a very familiar passage of scripture. Matthew 25, it says, who called his own servants. Romans 12, 1 says, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You know what that means? Your service to God is voluntary. We live in the volunteer state, if that can help you tie the loose ends together or connect the dots. Your service to God, that's your reasonable service. You're not declared a servant. You're either going to sign up for that and say, Lord, I want to obey you. Your commandments aren't grievous. I take great joy and I'm grateful and thankful for what you did for me on the cross. And therefore, I want to serve you. After all, you're right, Lord. That is completely reasonable. But you know what you are declared when you trust the Savior? A child of God. A child of God. And 
when God owns you as his child, it isn't a servant master or slave master relationship. I'm his child. <laughs> this is why the Bible uses the term adoption. Go to Romans chapter number six. Flip back a few chapters. Romans chapter number six. I'll show you. In Romans 12, when it says this is your reasonable service, your body's a living sacrifice. It has everything to do with how you live. It has nothing to do with your salvation, Romans 12, 1, because the giveaway is, it says brethren. In other words, it presupposes that you've already trusted Christ as your Savior. Watch Romans chapter 6, verse number 15. What then shall we sin? Because we are not under the law, but under grace. And God gives the answer back quite firmly and pretty direct. God forbid. In other words, why would you even come up with the idea that if you're saved by grace, you can live like the devil? How do you get there? God gives the answer. God forbid. No, know ye not. Verse 16. That to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin. That's what you used to serve. And by the way, you and I did that voluntarily. Nobody twisted our arm to go drink and cuss and do all the stuff. We can just go down and have a whole list of sins. Anybody want to start? <laughs> Didn't think so. But nobody made you do that. You signed up for it. And you were a servant voluntarily to sin. Um, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine, verse 17, which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin. Ye became the servants of righteousness. You want to yield yourself to serve God? That is completely available to you. I speak after the manner of men because of the affirmity of your flesh, whereas you have yielded your members, servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity. Even so now yield your members, servants to righteousness and to holiness. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. Are you God's child? If you're saved, you're the child of God. You can yield yourself to the Holy Spirit and be directed by the Holy Spirit's guidance. Or you can be directed by the flesh. But all of that is on you. It has nothing to do with your salvation because you couldn't save yourself anyway. Galatians 3.26, that's why it says, for ye are the children of God by works? No. By faith and works? No. For ye are the children of God by faith in what? In your religion? No. In your denomination? No. In Christ Jesus. Go to Galatians chapter 4. We'll look at the adoption verse and we'll move on. Galatians chapter 4. 
The Bible says in verse 4 of Galatians 4. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, thou an heir of God through, don't fill in anything but what the Bible says, Christ. You can't be a son of God. You can't be an heir of God through anything but Jesus Christ. You can't buy your way in. You can't work your way in. You can't finance your way in. You can only come one way. And when you do, you become an heir of God, a child of God. You're adopted and considered God's child. Now, many of you have already raised children. Many of you have already raised grandchildren. Let me ask you a question. You don't have to answer it out loud. You know the answer. Because we all have the same answer. Did you ever have any of your kids do something they shouldn't do? Of course. The kids are shaking their head. No, of course. Do they ever in that process stop being your son or your daughter? It's impossible. If they go astray, you know what is lost? Fellowship. But they don't stop being your son or your daughter. You, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, his, you are kept by his power. Not your own, because you will do dumb stuff, like we all do. Okay, so we took a little side trail on servants. So who are the servants here? In verse number 14 of Matthew chapter 25, who are the servants? Well, let's go back to the Old Testament, to the book of Isaiah. And let's go to the 41st chapter. And let's get some context. When we read the Bible, we have to understand who is being spoken. Who, I'm sorry, who is speaking and who is being spoken to. And that will help to give us context. Parent says to their child, go to your room. Well, what do all the kids run to their room? No, the parent's speaking to one child. They don't all take that as application. Isaiah 41, verse number eight. Watch what it says. But thou, Israel, art my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham. That would seem to me that it's Israel. Look at the 42nd chapter of the first verse. Behold my servant, whom I upheld, mine elect, in whom my soul delighted. Again, a reference to Israel. Go to chapter number 49. Keep flipping in Isaiah, get to the 49th chapter. Look at verse number 3. And said unto me, Thou art my servant, O Israel. In whom I will be glorified. 
Isaiah chapter 50. Look at the 10th verse. Who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant, that walketh in darkness, and hath no light? Still in the context of the nation of Israel. Go to Jeremiah. Keep flipping in your Bible, and you'll come to the book of Jeremiah next, and we'll go to the 30th chapter. Just flip right past the 10th chapter. We won't hit that for a while. We'll, as they say on the news, circle back. <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 30, verse number 10. Watch what it says, Jeremiah 30, 10. Therefore, fear thou not, O my servant Jacob, saith the Lord, neither be dismayed, O Israel. We'll do one more and then we'll call it quits because I think you get the point. We need to define servant and who contextually where it's going to fit. Look at Jeremiah 46, 27 verse. But fear not thou, O my servant Jacob, and be not dismayed, O Israel. Look at verse 28, the same thing. O Jacob, my servant, saith the Lord. The Jewish nation of Israel is contextually what's being spoken of in Matthew 24 and Matthew 25 as his servants. So let's go back to Matthew 25. We got through one verse. Are you with me? Are we good? Everybody all right? Okay. Now watch this. Matthew chapter 25, verse number 15. And in the one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. Well, that's not fair. The starting place was different for each of them. It's not unfair. And to make some practical application, well, let's finish the verse. To every man according to his several ability. That comes from the words... Uh, it means separate or it means distinct. We all have different abilities, distinct abilities. And God gives you what you can handle. Um, took every man according to his several abilities and straightway took his journey. If we go, if the three of us men or the four of us men go down to the local hardware store downtown and we apply for a job, and the three men here have two or three decades of construction work and working with tools, and I've had a week, guess who's going to get paid more? Not me. <laughs> Why? We have different abilities. The boss isn't mean. He's not unrighteous. He's logical. He's reasonable, and that's fine. Everybody doesn't need to start at the same spot. And it says, and straightway took his journey. When the disciples were on the earth with the Lord Jesus Christ, what were they expecting him to do? Set up a kingdom. And every time he told them they were going on the cross, they didn't believe him. 
They wanted him to set up the kingdom in John chapter 14. Let's go there. Go to uh, go to John so you can see it. John chapter 14. Watch what it says. John chapter 14. Go to the 28th verse. Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. This Lord in Matthew chapter 25 says he's going to take his journey. When the disciples are walking around with the Lord on the earth, he says, look, I'm going to go away, fellas. In other words, I'm taking a long journey. Go over to the 16th chapter. Look at verse number seven. John 16, verse seven. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. That means he's not lying because he can't lie. It is expedient for you that I go away. <laughs> Again, fellas, I am taking a long journey. I'm leaving. And then he says, for if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. But he says, it's expedient for you that I go away. By the time we get to the 18th chapter, Malchus gets his ear cut off because Peter cuts it off. You're taking my word. I, fellas, I told you I am going away <laughs> and I'm taking a long journey, in other words. And they just didn't buy it. Peter would have kept his sword in his sheath if he knew or not if he knew. He knew he just didn't believe what the Lord told him. Go to Acts chapter number one. Watch, watch what happens when the Lord's about ready to ascend up on high. Acts chapter number one. Watch this. <laughs> uh, the disciples, just like us. Acts chapter one. Look at verse six. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto him, it is not for you to know the times of the seasons which the father hath put in his own power. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. That good enough, fellas? <laughs> You're going to get my spirit and dwelt in you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me. In Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and other most parts of the earth. He had to quickly get him off the kingdom stuff. He says, I'm leaving. I'm getting out of here. And it's going to be for a long time. But guess what you got instead? The power of the Holy Ghost. Now go back to Matthew 25. Take a little breather. Try to get another thought. Okay, we need Matthew 25, but we also, so we can keep a flow to this, I want you to get 1 Corinthians 3. I think it's 1 Corinthians. I'm going to check that out when I get there. 1 Corinthians, yep, it's 1 Corinthians 3, that's right, and 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. 1 Corinthians 3 and 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. Okay, Matthew 25, verse 14. 
For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and then and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. Now we'll continue with that thought, but I want to say that these servants, to reiterate, they're not likened to us doctrinally, although practically we can glean some application from it for truth in our lives. Like, if you get something, use it. Don't bury it. We'll get into a little of that, of that later. What did we read in verse 20? Five talents, and what did he receive from the Lord? Another five talents. Was there a reward given in verse 20? There was. But it's not a reward for New Testament Christians. And you've got to get this doctrinally, and it's going to make sense in a minute. Will you and I receive rewards? We will. But are we as New Testament Christians being spoken about here as the ones likened to receiving rewards? No. We're not. He, uh, let's go to our Corinthian passage, 1 Corinthians 3. This is where we as Christians will receive rewards. We're not likened to these servants in Matthew chapter 25. We receive our rewards, 1 Corinthians 3. Look at the 11th verse. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. You want to build your life on religion? It ain't going to work. You want to build your life on good works? It's not going to. It's not going to work. Jesus Christ is the foundation. Now, if any man build upon this foundation—gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble—every man's work shall be made manifest. Does it say every man's work will save them? No. But your work is going to be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's flesh. No, your flesh isn't going to get burned. Every man's what? Work. Of what sort it is. Watch it again. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, thereupon what? The foundation who is Jesus Christ, what you, will you receive? A reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss of salvation, <laughs> except no. 
No, it doesn't say that. You're not going to lose your salvation. You are going to lose. Where are we? Suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved so as by fire. What are you going to lose? Rewards. Rewards. But he himself shall be saved. You're not going to lose your salvation. Now go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Look at verse 10. When is that going to happen? Well, it's going to happen in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. For we must all appear, who's the all referred to in this passage? That would be Christians, believers, before the judgment seat of Christ. So if the rapture happens now, we're going to go to the judgment seat of Christ. Then in Christ rise first, we shall log me, fall up, be together with the Lord. So that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Everything, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, later in Matthew 25, there's going to be a judgment of nations. We ain't going there. There's also a judgment for lost people. We ain't going there. We are going to be judged by God based on the works that we did as believers for him. And all the stuff that mattered not is going to be burned up. And everything that you and I did was built on eternal value, the foundation of Jesus Christ. We're going to receive a reward. We're going to receive rewards for that. Go back to Matthew 25. Everybody remember in school now, you kids are in school, right? You're not just home. You're homeschooled, right? You're, you go to school, you learn. Do you remember or are you learning like and as? Yeah, those are metaphors. Another word that you'll learn. When it says for the kingdom of heaven is as... A man traveling. In verse number one, we looked at it earlier last week, likened. Uh, it's likened unto ten virgins. When you see like or as, this isn't the Lord, even though the, the parable is pointing to the Lord and the servants that are going to have to deal with the time frame when the church is called out and we enter into Daniel's 70th week. But this is like and as. What does a servant call his master? Lord. What do you call your boss? Sir. Same idea. Who owns these talents in this parable? The Lord. Who is the prophet being made for in this parable? The Lord. You know what social media is all about? You. Me. I'm a self-made star. Look at me. That's all social media is. Look at me. Look at me get all this recognition. Look at me get all this fame. Look at me, 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 me. It's the Lord's talents. 
and he gave you his talents for you to make him money. <laughs> Praise God, Brother Eric. Big step of faith, trust in the Lord. Family moved out here. Lord opened up an opportunity for him to get a, a job on a Tennessee Tech campus. Praise the Lord. It's Tennessee Tech's job. He gave it to Brother Eric for Brother Eric to make money for Tech <laughs> and for Brother Eric to bring value to that campus. Now, they'll pay him for it, just like any boss would. But it's the boss's business. And these are the Lord's talents. And to make some practical application, if you serve in any capacity here, it's for the Lord. Amen. You might not get a high five. You might not get a fist bump from me. You might not get a good job from anybody. It's not for me, it's for the Lord. If you witness to somebody, it's the Lord's soul. It's not yours. If you give to the work here, that money is for the Lord's work. It's all for him. You get nothing. I get nothing. What we do, we get the satisfaction of knowing that we're saving and serving a great God. But it's the point I'm trying to make is it's for him. You don't need a sticker every time you do something. Just know you're doing it for God. You're doing it for God. Christ said, I'm going to be away a long time. But while I'm away, he's given his people opportunity to serve. When he gets back, he's going to evaluate their service. Now, for us as believers, that was pretty hard saying you, you're not going to get nothing. But you do have something. Ephesians 1 said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us, that's believers, with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Are you unsatisfied as a Christian? Are you discontented as a Christian? Why? You've got it all. Every single blessing you could ever want. The Bible says, as a born-again child of God, you have all spiritual blessings. Well, I want a Bentley. Turn off TBM, okay? You ain't getting that. You've got all spiritual blessings. That's all you need. Christ is all. Your service is for him. You're not going to receive praise. It's all for him. You're not going to receive glory and honor. It's all for him. Now, Doctrinally, what's happening in Matthew 25, it's not for the church. Church is called out. Now there's one week that has to be fulfilled. Daniel's 70th week. It's got to be fulfilled. Church is called out. And now that prophetic week is going to be fulfilled. We looked at all the reasons in Daniel 9, 24 through 26 and 7. But here's what's happening. Are the people that are left going to obey God's word or not? Are they going to trust God's provision or not? Are they going to listen to God's messengers or not? Are they going to persecute God's people or not? Are they profitable for God or are they just thinking of themselves? 
about you? It's a good thought. Look at verse number 19. Matthew 25. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. You know why the rapture of the church can't happen in Matthew 24? It's not there. Because when you read Matthew 25, after a long time, does that imply an eminent return? No, that implies it's going to be a while. And also it says reckoneth, meaning when this happens, when the Lord returns, there's going to be a time of reckoning. Well, I don't, I'm not going to have a time of reckoning. <laughs> You're not going to have a time of reckoning. You know what Paul, Paul thought in 1 Thessalonians 4, when we preach to all, it says, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we, this is Paul writing under the Holy Spirit inspiration, which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord, shall not prevent them which are asleep. Paul thought when he penned that by the power of the Holy Spirit, he says we, he includes himself. Paul thinks he's going to be raptured. Now, that's, that's a pretty clear implication of eminence. 1 Thessalonians 4.17, he says, We which are alive and remain shall be caught up together. Well, wait a minute, Paul. It didn't happen, so you weren't. But he, he, he says, we. He thought he was anticipating the Lord's return when he penned that, or he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have been penned like that. I'm with you on all this stuff that's happening in the world. It's all, I, I, I'm with you with the pattern of where this whole thing's going. We're all on the same page. But Paul, when he penned this in 1 Thessalonians 4, he wasn't looking for the Corona Rona to hit. And then, oh Lord, now you're coming back. And too many Christians get caught up in current events and say, well, now, Lord, no, Paul thought, now, Lord, back then. And the pattern has been going in that direction ever since. Look, I'm with you with all that. But what I'm saying is, Paul wasn't sitting down saying, well, you know what, fellas? You just got to wait because in 2020, C-19 is going to hit the world. And then the Lord's going to be ready to come back. No. Nothing else has to happen for the Lord to call his church out here. Now, pr practical application. Yeah, we see the wheels turning on all this stuff leaning toward that. I, I get you and I'm with you. But how do you explain Paul's words? He was very clear. Now, another thing, and we're winding down, so I know I'm giving you a lot of information. Go back to Matthew 25. Watch this in verse 21. Here's another error that people teach. And you'll see why. Look at Matthew 25, verse 21. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. 
which people teach as, well, that's entering into heaven. It's not. Look at it in verse 23. His Lord said unto him, well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord, which it's not people entering into heaven. The whole context of Matthew 24 and Matthew 25, you can't find going to heaven in view anywhere. How do you know this? Because in Matthew 24, it says, those that endure to the end shall be saved. They never leave the earth. They never leave the earth. If they endure to the end and they're saved physically, they stay on the earth and they enter into what? Christ's millennial reign, his kingdom that he's going to set up where? On earth. We're already caught up. We're with the Lord in the air. Now we're going to come with him and rule and reign with him. But those on the earth entering in the joy has nothing to do with going to heaven. Not in this verse, not in this passage. They stay on the earth and they enter into Christ's kingdom on earth. And their endurance, enduring to the end, results in them being delivered. And they will receive different rewards. They will receive different levels of service based on what they did with, with what God told them and gave them during that time. They'll have different levels of, of authority and service in that kingdom on earth. Now, here's some practical application. Verse 24. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man. You know, people selfishly see what they want to see. You can complain because you got one, one talent. And you can complain that when the Lord comes back or the boss comes back and he's upset because you didn't do anything with it, you can call him a hard man. The other fellows did something with what they were they were given. Has God blessed you with talents? Has God blessed you with parents that love you and take you to church? Do something with it. Don't bury all that in the sand. Don't bury it in the ground. Verse number 25, watch what it says. And I was afraid. And I'm telling you right now, fear of failure causes people to not do anything. Now, I'm afraid of a poisonous snake. I'm not going to step on it. I'm not going to try to pick it up. But I'm not going to pick up and move and run across the country because I saw a snake. I just start running aimlessly. <laughs> I mean, don't, don't jump on it and try to, you know. People just go to these extremes. Don't blame the boss. Don't blame your parents. If something's too hard, oh, I'll fail. No, you get after it. I'm telling you, kids, the last thing that you want your life to turn into is you being a game zombie sitting in front of a screen all day. I'm serious. 
your parents aren't unreasonable. They're not hard people when they make you do farm chores or help build a construction wall or it's good for you. It's good for you. You know what it says in verse 26? His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant. You know why he was wicked? Because he never tried. Not because it was done wrong. If you put the screw in wrong, if you do the job wrong, you can get some help and get it right. Okay? Just don't do anything. Proverbs 18, 9 says, He that is slothful in his work is brother to him that is a great waster. Do any of us want to be wasters? I don't. The slothful man saying, saith, there's a lion in the way, a lion in the streets. It's time to get out of bed, kids. I couldn't get out of bed. There's a lion out there. In other words, you'll make up any excuse to just lie in bed and do nothing. Be slothful. That's why it says, as the door turneth upon his hinges, so does the slothful upon his bed. Oh, it just turned from the left to the right, just waste away. You're not slothful. In the kingdom of heaven, you'll be given a place of service, and that service will be for the Lord. All right, you got time for one more truth, and then we'll be done. Can you stay with me? Matthew 24, look at verse 26. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked, slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not straw. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers. And then at my coming, I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. That would be hell. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And that's hell. And that's where the third servant was cast. And you know why none of these servants can be placed in the New Testament church age? And you know why none of these servants can be likened unto New Testament born again children of God? Because not a one of us, whether we choose Romans 12 to serve the Lord or not, not a one of us are going to be cast into outer darkness. These are not servants likened unto us as New Testament Christians. If you've trusted Christ, you're not getting cast into hell. But you have a problem. And this is where Protestants and Baptists get themselves in trouble when they, when they embrace a doctrine in the Bible and They'll say, well, the Roman Catholics are wrong because they believe in purgatory. Yet, when you teach this passage wrong, you end up with your little Protestant purgatory or your little Baptist purgatory. Because what do you do with these servants that are cast into outer darkness? Well, some of them will lose it. No. Well, now you got loss of salvation on your, on your watch. Because if you place these servants in the right spot, it all fits. And if you don't, you get it messed up. My sins, it says in Hebrews 1, 3, when he 
had by himself purged our sins. This is not speaking about unfaithful Christians when Christ is going to set up his second, when, when Christ comes a second time and set up his millennial kingdom. This is not referring to unfaithful Christians during the church age that are now going to have to spend a thousand years in hell before that. No. This is talking about those during Daniel's prophetic week to take the mark and do all that stuff that we're going to read about later are going to be cast into hell because they didn't believe what God told them to believe and they didn't do what God told them to do. It has nothing to do with us as Christians being cast into hell because we ain't going there. These unfaithful servants don't represent unfaithful Christians. They represent unbelievers during Daniel's prophetic week. And many will hear, thou wicked and slothful servant. The Lord comes back, and there are people who are alive, and they're found to be unfit. We're going to be cast right into hell. And if you live through the tribulation, and you could care less, well, not you, because if you're saved, you're going to be caught up out of here unless you die first in which case you'll be absent from the body present with the Lord these folks that are going to go through this prophetic week seven years and they're going to care less about the king he's going to cast them right in the outer darkness thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church we look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.